Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The Journey, a 16-week odyssey of grit, determination, endurance, and will, where the weak are exposed and the strong revered. From Bleed Entertainment, this is Falcon's Flight. Insights and analysis on your Atlanta Falcons. Now, here's Robert Taylor and your host, Brian Giffen. It is Falcon's Flight, Edition 4. I am Brian Giffen. Unfortunately, Robert Taylor not here. And our prayers to Robert and his family as his mother is battling an illness right now and their family is with Robert's mom dealing with that. So for one week at least, we place Robert on the Falcon's Flight version of the bereavement list. But I'm happy to say that you've heard him over the phone. You've heard him join us the first couple of shows. In studio with me is Scott Johns of the Atlanta Falcons training staff. Scott, obviously, as I pointed out a moment ago, our best thoughts to Robert, obviously, first and foremost. And secondly, here we are now, all of a sudden, even though no preseason games, even though kind of an endless set of practices, the whole nine yards, we're about three weeks from the beginning 2020 season. Yeah, it's, you know, first of all, you know, prayers to Robert and his family. I hope everything is well on their end. The preseason is something that a lot of people, it's very polarizing and that, you know, some people love it, some people don't. And it's where a lot of young guys make their mark on the league. It's going to be interesting to see how the quality of play for the first few weeks without those live action preseason games, what it does to the sport and how we view it. Well, the other thing, of course, is how it will affect players health-wise and not as much illness and or virus or any of that stuff. I'm just talking about without the bumps and bruises, game reps stuff to knock off the rust. How will injuries be impacted around the league? That'll be interesting to watch. A couple news items we'll touch on. We've talked a lot about the offensive line here, the first three, four episodes of the show, and we specifically focused a lot on the left guard spot. Well, the Falcons yesterday released Jamon Brown, who they had a lot invested in. He was competing for the left guard spot. I think you characterized it best a little bit ago, a cap casualty. Yeah, and he's a guy that they... James Carpenter and Jamon Brown came in at the same time, and I think they kind of knew coming into the season that whichever one underperforms was going to get the X. There's a lot of money tied up in those guys, and you can't hold on to two guys that pay them that much money that aren't going to even start. On the other side of the coin, Matt Hennessy, who of course was drafted very high by the Falcons, has been working with the starting unit several days in a row. You talked about him a little bit here in the first couple episodes of the show, and Hennessy looks to be a guy they have very high hopes for, like right out of the box, as in, you know, this year, right away. Yeah, those guys, especially you know, Chris Morgan, the offensive line coach, I mean, he looks for a particular skill set pre-draft, during the draft, and of course, once they come into training camp, and he knows what he can do to sculpt those guys in terms of getting them ready to produce on the offensive line and the philosophy that they carry. And Hennessy is, they love him because he's a guy that can move his feet. He's very quick and he's very strong. 
I guarantee they got him on a weight regimen immediately coming in the building and said, look, this is what we expect from you, and this is the role that you're going to carry, and I believe he's done enough to at least be in contention for that starting role. One certain thing, and it happens every training camp, there are a number of guys that you can bet are working really, really hard to impress and make the roster, especially with no games. We'll talk about the defense in a moment, but right now, speaking of bet, did someone say playoffs? The NBA, MLB, and NHL are in full swing, and our partners, Bet Online, have you covered. So take full advantage of sports being back and get in on the action with hundreds of odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag, that is A-G, today, and sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag, and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. On the defensive side of the ball, Scott John. I want to focus a little bit on the defensive line today, and obviously there are guys we know well about. We've talked a lot about and heard from Dante Fowler. Obviously, everybody knows all about Grady Jarrett, and of course, a lot of question marks as the Falcons declined the option on Tack McKinley, so it's a prove-yourself year for him. Let's talk a little bit about some of the others. Charles Harris, for example, has impressed so far in camp. What are your thoughts on the defensive line as a whole? And like every team, every season, the defensive line is a big, big key. That's Dan Quinn's wheelhouse. He's a defensive line guru. I mean, he's he's a technician when it comes to the technique and all the small details. So I think he looked at a guy like Charles Harrison and said, he's someone that we can bring in and, and sculpt him to play in the scheme that we run. And I mean, I think he's done just that. So you said it earlier, when you're in practice and pads and all that, it's great to show out in camp, but you got to do it on Sundays where it counts. It'll be interesting to see how he adjusts to his role in the defense. Well, one of the things that every team is working on right now, of course, is focus. And what I'm talking a little bit more about as we dig into our audio files here this week is mental focus in this case. Here are Dan Quinn's thoughts on the importance of mental focus. In pro ball, a lack of discipline and a mistake are not the same thing. You know, and a lack of discipline could have been, you know, a false start, a jump off sides, not having a correct alignment. Those are things that 100% we know we can control with good focus. The penalties that sometimes happen, whether that's a mistake or, you know, I got my hands outside the framework. Those are things, you know, that you can coach through and get better at and keep working once you address them. So if we can eliminate some of the ones that are the lack of focus that cause, you know, a discipline issue, then you're not beating yourself. Let's just make sure all of our time and all of our energy is put into you know doing things the right way i'll tell you what scott a a guy i worked with in baseball over the years used to quote a great baseball manager and i think this analogy is spot on and that is that the vast majority of physical errors are a product of poor mental preparation yeah it's exactly it you have to be prepared in your legwork week in and week out you have to know snap counts you have to know timing on whether you're a defensive or offensive lineman you have so much to pay attention to that is mental your physical abilities will only carry you so far and the game is won and lost a lot and dan quinn preaches this often on penalties and turnovers and if you can eliminate those two you give yourself a chance to win every single week here is quinn talking about sometimes focus is more a matter of simplification you want to make full speed decisions you know when you're playing where there's not any hesitation but When you're really focused, there's not too many things going through your head, so you can just lock in on this play, this moment. Sometimes if you're thinking about the snap count and the route I have to run or the coverage and this, you know, where the the levels start going up. So that's why the reps are so important because I do it again and again and again. Now I just focus on how I'm going to beat a guy. 
and what I'm going to do as opposed to like assignment and those kind of things. Tell you what, Scott, one of the things Rob and I addressed a couple of weeks ago, you know, among the question marks, who's going to handle the kickoff and punt return type chores? I'll get your thoughts on it in a minute. The names we know the best, Brandon Powell and Chris Rowland, here are Quinn's thoughts on the two of them and some of the things they've been working on. The competition is really, you know, at the punt returner spot as we're going through. So we'll try to create as many of those opportunities, you know, over the next 10, 12 days as we can just to make sure we're going to pressure test it, put them into situations. Both of them have done a good job. And so, you know, when it's that close, you got to keep pushing and create opportunities. When you're first looking at a punt returner, you know, you want a guy who's got quiet feet where they can see the ball and not having to make, you know, a bunch of different adjustments in the air. So you try to stress them out, put people around them, and can they keep their focus right where they're at? And as a returner, usually there's a flyer, you know, hauling ass down the field. Can you make one miss? before you get to the second wave of people. I guess to whatever extent, Brian Hill has a little bit of experience doing that at the collegiate level or certainly through the years of playing football. What are your thoughts on how they'll handle kick return chores? And obviously that's one of those things oftentimes that gets sorted out directly by performance in preseason games, which again, they won't have this year. That's probably the most glaring omission from this offseason. That is where you go live and you have to test the guys out in live action. And that's how you do it against other people's special teams. You can only simulate so much in your own training camp against your own guys. And you can throw different scenarios and things like that out there. But what really shapes these guys is the live action. So that's one thing that's going to be missed. And I think they're just going to have to keep going with the drills they're running, see who's got that mental toughness and that resolve, and go from there. And I think Quinn's going to make his best guess on who it should be based on all the criteria that they put forth so far in camp. Reference Brian Hill a couple of moments ago, a guy that really embraced his opportunity when he got it based on attrition a year ago. Here are Quinn's thoughts on the confidence they have in Hill and Ito Smith and the fact that Todd Gurley did at least finish the season, albeit beat up a year ago. It wasn't like he sat out the last 10, 11 games on IR. Here's Quinn's thoughts on Hill and the running back depth situation. Todd finishing the year, that was a factor in it as well. You know, it wasn't a, a player who had, you know, finished the year on IR. So, you know, we had saw him play all the way through the year. So that gave you some confidence heading in as well. And I think what you guys saw from Brian the last half of the season one underway was, man, a guy who took advantage of his moments. And that has continued on to this training camp, the vision, the cuts, the catching the ball out of the backfield, protection. He's really somebody that's identified himself as a somebody that can be accountable and reliable to get the job done. So those two, Todd and Brian, have really shown their ability to do all the things that we need them to do in the offense. Now, while we're talking about Brian Hill, Brian Hill talks a little bit in general about the offense improving day by day as camp goes along. It's looking good, you know, every day. The O-line gets a little bit more chemistry. The holes start opening up a bit more, and we get an understanding of the playbook. I feel like we improve on our run game every day, have more explosive runs every day. We started off not getting that many with the defense, and then day by day they started to open up. So I feel like we're headed in a good direction there. Yeah, sometimes too, Scott, as you know, you know, players can kind of be on a practice squad or maybe an afterthought to a degree in terms of the active roster. But then a couple of people go down, your circumstances change. All of a sudden, a guy gets an opportunity and he opens some eyes. That's exactly what Brian Hill's done. I mean, he's if you think back to his journey here in Atlanta, I mean, he was drafted out of Wyoming a few years ago, and then he was released. He went to Cincinnati for a while, yep. released by Cincinnati, and then brought back here. And he's someone that they've been on the cusp with, I think, for a while. And every opportunity he's given, he's executed well. So 
I think he's going to be in contention for that spot behind Todd Gurley for sure. It's one thing to make a roster. It's another thing to make yourself sustainable where you continue to make rosters. Here is Hill talking about what he's been working at and how he's doing his best to improve. I've always been working with my hands since I came in the league, and I feel like I'm at the top of my game with that right now. But another thing is my change of direction with and without the ball. I feel like I've been running crisper routes, and when I get the opening in the run game, I make better second-level decisions. All about paying attention. You know, coaches preach about mental reps, and the more you do that in practice and the game, you get the flow of the run game, even if you're not in. Like, if I'm watching Tide, I can see how the defense is playing a certain run and make my adjustments off that. But when I get Talking about no preseason games, which – you could make the case he has benefited from in the past, but of course this year, certainly no choice. There are no preseason games, and with that in mind, Hill talks about the importance of the experience he gained getting on the field and getting to play last year. It's more important than anything now with the COVID, no preseason. Uh, I feel like I did a good job last year. Could have improved in some spots, but that's what the offseason was for this year, but that was very important for me and the coaches just because we don't get that evaluation period that we had last year. You know, I've always made the case at any level of football that each season is kind of its own story. But the other thing I think that's great about the sport and any season is that each week and over the course of it's an evolving story. And Brian Hills is one of those that's a really positive that he did get the opportunity and he's put himself in a position to be in the National Football League. He sounds like he's ready to go. I mean, he's he's someone that wants it bad and – and he knows what it takes to get there. I mean, you attribute that to the leadership on the team, uh, the players, the coaching staff. I think those guys are you know, pointing him in the right direction, going, hey, if you want to achieve in this league, this is exactly how you do it. you got to come to work every day, and you got to improve on the little things. You're obviously talented enough to be in the NFL. Here's how you become great. Speaking of leadership and turning it to guys who aren't on the bubble and guys you don't have to worry about whether or not they're going to make the team, certainly they don't have to worry about it. One, Matt Ryan. Here's Ryan on the state of things, offensively in particular, three weeks from the opener. We're three weeks out from our first game. I think we've done a good job the first couple of weeks. We still have a long way to go, for sure. But the effort and the intensity and guys' attention to detail has been very good. So we need to keep that up so that, that we're ready to go three weeks from today. Dan has a really good format for us in terms of working in three-day blocks to get ourselves ready for what the regular season is like for us. And so guys have focused on that, just trying to take it day by day and make sure that our effort, our intensity level, and in our focus is at as high of a level as possible for every time we're on the practice field because it's condensed this year. And so that's the trick. I think we've got to keep that focus, keep that intensity up, and make sure that you know every opportunity we get to be on the field and to get work done, we're making the most of it. Ryan, of course, has been in the league for a while. And here are some thoughts from Ryan on how his off-season regimen has progressed as he's grown and matured in the league, and he's kind of figured out his own body and what works best for him. I feel like the last few years I've gotten myself into a pretty good spot where I feel like I understand what works best for me in terms of training, in terms of sleep, in terms of diet, when to push, when to kind of pull back and get some rest. And so I feel like I'm in a good spot. You know, I think probably more so than anything, it's little tweaks in what you're doing here and there. You know, as I've gotten a little bit further into my career, you know, I've learned that I need to move more often and take less time off. As counterintuitive, I, I guess, as that sounds, I just need to keep moving. And so it might not be as intense all the time, but I'm definitely more active, more regularly than I've ever been. And that's probably the biggest difference. 
one last cut from the sound files this week. Here is Ryan, of course, second year Dirk Cutter back as the offensive coordinator. And of course, last year didn't go in an overall sense, although Ryan had a fantastic one himself. In the team sense, didn't go the way anybody wanted it to. Here is Ryan on Dirk Cutter going into his second season back here and the progress that he feels Dirk is making. The hope was always that we would have been more productive last year, not only offensively, but as a team, right? I mean, anytime you're not playing in the playoffs, you have to take a look at what we did with a critical eye and and make adjustments. I think Dirk is doing a really good job for us. And you can tell, you know, I was even saying to him today during practice, there's a comfort level that comes from being the second year in in the system for him of kind of understanding the terminology and and not having to kind of translate it in his brain. You know, it's just coming out and uh, his teaching has been awesome. This training camp. So you can feel from a player standpoint how much, you know, more comfortable he is year two in the system. And that'll complete our stack of audio files that we have for you here on Falcons Flight this week. We remind you this is Falcons Flight. I'm Brian Giffen with Scott Johns pinch hitting for Robert Taylor this week. And Scott, again, you know, here we sit couple of scrimmages in but also three weeks from the regular season and there's a whole different level of speed intensity everything else when the games start to count and as much as we talked about the defensive line has been very good in the practice and scrimmages you know when it's for real and you're not going against guys battling for jobs you're going against guys that are starters on other teams everything changes it's really going to be a mix between how you simulate these things and and how you get in and out of your huddles and and all that you simulate all these things like it's game day like you're prepping for a regular season game and that's what it takes to achieve in an unprecedented preseason as we've seen you have guys like matt ryan who obviously have been here since 2008 he knows how training camp works he knows how you have to get prepared mentally physically all these things and you have to be in the x's and o's and there's a level of comfortability because he's seen this play out before think about shanahan's first year in 2015 and people were calling for his head after the 2015 season because him and ryan weren't on the same page at all and there wasn't a whole lot of you know meeting in the middle so to speak. And I think going into that second year, I think two things happened. I think they sat together with leadership and said, okay, these are the expectations. These are what we have to do to win as a team. You know, Matt says, look, I was rookie of the year. I've been to the Pro Bowl. I'm trenched in this league. MVP. Exactly. I think he understands this league and understands what it takes, whether it be the ability to change the line or the call, the line via audibles or being able to run the no huddle, which I think that's more telling how much freedom a quarterback has. Are you allowed to go into the two-minute offense? Are you allowed to call your own place from the huddle or from the, you know, like a sugar huddle and really get that offense up tempo? And in that second year, Matt's MVP season in 2016, that's what you saw. Shanahan handed him a little bit more of the reins and said, okay, go lead the offense. That and the fact that in that second year, they had enough on film and had enough experience together to where they could really sit down and put wrinkles into these plays based off things they'd seen and how defenses are going to react to it to hit the big plays. So all the big plays that you saw in 2016 were a product of the wrinkles from staple plays in the playbook. It was incredible to watch those two work together to achieve the way they did. First of all, I'm loving it that you dropped a Sam Y. Sugar huddle in there. Way to go. But I think this goes back to what we've talked about before. And you certainly talked about with us a couple of weeks ago, two key components in an offense that really play into what you're talking about, a cohesive and functioning and performing offensive line that's all on the same page. We know what happened with that a year ago with injuries, attrition, youth, all of those things, and an effective running game, which 
again, plays directly to how well the offensive line is performing. So those two components obviously are big, big keys with how the rest of the offense is going to work. Yeah, I mean, if I had to guess, I would say that Thomas Dimitrov and Dan Quinn sat down in the offseason with some of their trusted coaching staff and went, okay, this is the blueprint. This is what we're going to have to do because it's such a copycat league, the NFL is. You know, like Matt said, if you're not making the playoffs, you got to take an objective look at, hey, why aren't we there? What did we not do to earn a playoff berth? And I think this is sort of speculation, but I, I think there's some truth to it. I think they went and said, okay, this is what the successful teams in the NFL, the Ravens, the Chiefs, the 49ers, this is what those teams are doing. And I think they looked at that recipe and said, we have to emulate that within the confines of our cap space, our system, and our philosophy. And I think what they did is they went out and they got the big play tight end that they wanted. And and say what you want about Austin Hooper, and he was a very good tight end, but I think Hayden Hurst has a higher upside than what Hooper did. And I mean, look, Hooper was a pro bowler. So how much more do you go up from there? I think he's just a more dynamic tight end. And then you go out and you hear what ails you, at least on paper, with the inability to run the ball in the red zone. You went out and got the best red zone running back in the NFL in Todd Gurley. So they think they've got this thing figured out. They think, hey, by virtue of just another year together, the offensive line will be better. It'll open holes for the running game, you know, namely Todd Gurley, and give Matt the protection he needs. But we think if we can get out here and execute and Dirk's another year into this thing, why can't we take that next step back to elite? Definitely going to be interesting to watch as three weeks or so now stand between us and the beginning of what most assuredly is going to be a different and probably somewhat weird 2020 season. This is Falcons Flight. I'm Brian Giffen. Again, Scott Johns pinch hitting for Robert Taylor. Coming up, we're going to have a little visit with my former broadcast partner at Kennesaw State. But for these purposes, more importantly, a guy who spent parts of 10 seasons in the NFL on the offensive line. I want to tell you in advance, had him on and he's on his cell phone, so the signal got a little weird from time to time. But don't worry, it's still audible and a great interview, too. He's a really good guy who, by the way, also with Takeo Spikes, is a guy who hosts or co-hosts a show right here from Believe Entertainment. It's called Behind the Mask, a show that gives you some insights on what is behind the mask, typically of NFL players, but also guests that they have on their program and the like. Coming up a little bit later, we will have our world-famous Swirly segment as well. Right now, it's time for us to take a time out. And as we do, we remind you that Falcon's Flight is a presentation of Believe Entertainment, the number one site for podcast professionals. Do you believe? We certainly do. Scott and I return right after this time out. You're listening to Falcon's Flight. Mr. Hardwood is Atlanta's premier flooring expert, but Hardwood is just the beginning. Mr. Hardwood also installs laminate, tile, vinyl, carpet, and more. Your home is likely your biggest investment. Not only can you enhance its value with beautiful new floors, but our lifetime transferable warranty will enhance the value even more. If you stand on it, Mr. Hardwood stands behind it. Mr. Hardwood is committed to setting the industry standard for all your uniquely designed and professionally installed flooring solutions. Our number one goal is to exceed our customers' needs by providing value, quality, and exceptional service even after the sale. We take great pride in high-quality craftsmanship and integrity and are not satisfied until we have exceeded your expectations. Mr. Hardwood, Atlanta's flooring experts. To set up your free consultation, call Mr. Hardwood today at 770-318-8880 or go to Inc. 
Sportsgrid.com. Like in football, whether it's in business, recreation, or life, you need a game plan. Is your computer running slow? Is it infected with viruses or malware? Maybe you're a gamer and really want a custom-built computer specifically for gaming. Perhaps like us, you want a lightning-fast, state-of-the-art, solid-state drive to replace that clunky, old-school one in your machine. Your game plan for any of this should be Computers Plus. A lot of the components we use to produce and bring you Falcon's Flight have been upgraded or provided by Computers Plus. Computers Plus is located in Ackworth, Georgia at 3330 Cobb Parkway Northwest, Suite 154. But wherever you are, they can help. Stop in and see them. They also feature a full line of accessories and refurbished equipment. Give them a call today at 770-693-0769 or check them out at computersplususa.com. You'll be glad you did. It is Falcons Flight. Brian Giffen with Scott Johns, who pinch hits for Robert Taylor today. As Robert, again, off dealing with a family issue, his mom's not well, and we certainly wish the entire Taylor family, in particular Robert's mom, the very best. This is Falcons Flight. It is a presentation of Believe Entertainment, the number one site for podcast professionals. Well, speaking of podcast professionals, a guy who not only is part of a podcast with Takeo Spikes, also a former broadcast partner of mine, and a good friend, Tuton Reyes, spent some time with me via the phone this week. Again, we told you that not always, in the magic of cell phones, not always the best connection, but uh, here is Tuton Reyes with me this week. Joining us now, an old friend and a man of many talents, not the least of which was parts of several seasons in the National Football League, in the trenches, no less, the offensive line. Also, my former broadcast partner at Kennesaw State for four of the first five years of the program, and a guy I miss a whole lot. Let's welcome Tuton Reyes, too. Man, it's great to have you on board here, and what's keeping you busy these days? I know you and Takeo Spikes are involved in your own Believe Entertainment podcast. Absolutely, man. Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me, man. Great to catch up with you, brother. Miss you too, man. As you mentioned, Tequila Spice tonight, we have a podcast called the Behind the Mask Podcast, where we interview former and current athletes, entertainers, professionals in various fields. We get their take on, on all sorts of issues, parenthood, social issues, sports, obviously. And you peel back the layers, find out who the people really are, who is behind the mask. Obviously, in, in football and sports, we use the mask for protection. Outside of sports, people use, uh, they have a mask as a guard. You get behind that guard, you peel back those layers, see who the person is, and just put out some great content every week, man. Let's go back now into your career as an offensive lineman, and I think obviously we'll touch on some of the numbers, other events, places you played, things like that, but I think one of the things a lot of people may not realize that are the casual fan, the casual observer, is how much technique and footwork play a huge part and being successful as an offensive lineman in the National Football League. Oh yeah, if you don't have good feet as a as a lineman, you're you're nowhere. They call us dancing bears. <laughs> three hundred pound, three hundred pound ninjas, you name it. But the big fellas, you have to have uh, good footwork. It starts with your your stance. Obviously, you want to be on the insteps of your of your feet and uh, be able to move in any directions, front, backwards, side to side, uh, on a forty five degree angle, angle. So many different ways you have to move with power. And um, believe it or not, people think of football as a violent sport. Of course it is. But, you know, I, I used to call it the violent ballet. 
Yeah. It's graceful as well. And, and it starts with that footwork. If you ever watch an offensive line and pull out, uh, meaning get out of hands and, and go around the, the other linemen, go around the tight ends and, and lead block for a running back or get out on the screen, you can actually see how athletic some of these guys really are. You know, that was my calling card. I uh, wasn't the biggest lineman in the NFL, but I stayed around so long because I was athletic and I was able to move in space. I was able to get to the second level, which is the linebacker level third level, which are the DBs and the, and the safeties, and, and, and still execute my blocking, do that with technique. So the guys that are, that are listening to this coming up, the young, younger players, that is huge for you. Uh, the strength is going to come there. You get stronger later on, but you have to consistently work on your footwork, work on your technique, because those are the things that keep you playing football as long as possible. You know, it's been talked about a lot, particularly recently, and I think covered for a while about linemen and both their diets and exercise routines that they have while they're playing. And then in retirement, that changes somewhat in some cases. Anyway, best case I can think of is like Jeff Saturday with the Colts who dropped a bunch of weight when he finished playing. How do you handle that, and have you dropped some weight? I I remember in the years we traveled together in college football, you can still put away some chow now. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. So I think totally maybe – 20 to 30 pounds from when I played, but some guys, as you mentioned, Jeff Saturday's one. Another guy that comes to mind is Jordan Gross. He, he played with me in the Carolina Panthers. He was at 303 pounds when he was playing, and now he's around 240, 30. He's probably going to be 60, 70 pounds or something like that. Yeah. But um, it gets difficult because you like to eat. I think the thing is, as a business guy, you definitely like to eat. I think the, 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 the big thing that uh, we're starting to realize, meaning the former athletes, the former offensive linemen, we're starting to realize that your health is most important. You know, sure. you're not working out four and five days a week as, as you were when you were playing football. You're not running up and down the field. Those work, those are workouts in and of itself. You're not doing that anymore. So you have to consistently get out there and, and at least eat healthy. If you're not going to get to the gym, if you're not going to get out there and do any, any cardio or something like that, you have to at least eat healthy. And I, and I do my best to do that. You know, I, I try to limit the red meat to, to make twice a month at most largely chicken, not not a lot of fried food and, and, and fish and stuff. But those are the things that help me, and, and I've lost some weight. I definitely still want to lose another 15 or so, but I think I'm doing well right now. Let's go back through your career. You've played for some relatively well-known guys as head coaches. Jim Hazlitt, I think, was in New Orleans when you were mm-hmm. drafted, played for John Fox, played for Dick Geron, played for Jack Del Rio. There's a real linebacker theme, for one, among those names. Sure is. And those guys, you know, what's ironic is uh, Coach Del Rio, well, Coach Fox in the, with the Panthers, um, when I was at Jack Del Rio, was the defensive coordinator, I want to say, one year. So he later went on to Jacksonville, and then a few later, years later, I actually played with him again at uh, at Jacksonville. So, but yeah, those coaches, some some of the great uh, mentors in my life. Um, Mike Tice was another guy that he was he was a New York guy. So me and him, uh, we met my it was right before my rookie year when the combine. I met him, and then on when he was with the Jaguars as well as a, as a coordinator, uh, one of my guys. So you know, definitely some some great coaches you named. That they they helped structure my life and kept me in the league. So you know, much love to all those guys. One of the things I look at your numbers on uh, Pro Football Reference and what may not be known to a lot of people is, you know, aside from the fact you played in 53 games, started 37 of them, you had a 14-yard kickoff return in one of those games. Uh, (laughs) Take us back to that play a little bit, too. 
Oh my goodness, that was hilarious. So we were, ooh, that was with Jacksonville, and we were playing the Tennessee Titans. I remember this game. It was funny because I was on special teams. I was on kickoff return. Um, I considered myself an athlete. I used to play tight and play basketball before I, I made it to the NFL. So, um, you know, the coaches thought I was an athlete too. They had me on kickoff return. So I was out there, and they had this squid kick that <laughs> came right to me. And I'm looking like, oh, hell. <laughs> but it's, the press. The pressure's on, so the first thing you're thinking is like, don't drop it, right? And I'm like, you know, I just on the time they they use the jugs and they on Fridays you have pat and goes, which when you throw the ball to the uh, receivers and you throw them to the running backs, etc. But the linemen have their own version. We call it fat and slow, and then they throw, <laughs> they throw the ball to each other. So you know, when we did all of this, I was catching the ball like we catch the ball from the jugs and stuff. I was, you know, I had good hands, man. This ball comes to me and it starts going sideways. It looks like a duck. I'm like, oh hell! <laughs> and all I hear the crowd go, oh! So the crowd roars because I dropped the ball. <laughs> right? so I dropped the ball and I'm like, all right, pick it up quick. I pick it up. I run by one guy, believe it or not. And the next thing I know, I'm just seeing a whole team of these linebackers and defensive backs bowing down on me. And I'm like, this doesn't look like me going just against a 300-pound guy that's right in front of me. This is different. So I see these bullets coming at me, these guys ripping me and stuff. I'm like, all right, let me find one person that can help me block. One guy helped me block. I get around him, and they took a picture of that. And I have it still. I got to send it to you. And then before, after that, the next thing you know, somebody just took my legs out. I'm I'm laughing so hard. Everybody's laughing. It was a 14-yard return. So the good thing about it is that, like you said, in the record book, I'm averaging 40 yards of return in kickoff return. I'm not sure that there are many linemen in the NFL career that have more uh, average yards per kickoff return than I do. The bad thing is I was out there and I had to go right onto the field (laughs) and play offense because, (laughs) because I was still playing in the game, so that that was the part that hurt. Yeah, that's funny. You may not challenge, you know, Dante Hall or Devin Hester, but uh, that's one that a lot of guys, <laughs> a lot of guys are not going to be able to say. That's pretty cool. To the current yeah, sure. times, obviously, you know, you've been through enough of these training camps and never one like this, though. How do you think these yeah, COVID yeah. protocols and no preseason games, aside from the fact that guys won't get the kind of look that they'd like to get in the preseason? How do you see this kind of thing, assuming a season happens, how do you see this kind of camp with no games affecting the actual regular season? Well, I think it's going to be – the difference is going to be guys aren't going to be as battle-tested, if you will. Yeah. So the, the training camp – the object of training camp is to get in football shape. So typically you want to come into camp in, in physical shape, meaning you know, you, you're not winded from running, but it's a difference when you put those pads on and – and your body is taking that beating every day for four and a half, five weeks, and then you go into the regular season. You know, the, the bumps and bruises. You don't want to start the regular season and that be your first real contact. Now, I'm not sure if the teams are going to still be doing scrimmages because we had preseason games during training camp, but we also used to go to a team that was close to us sure. and, and, and traveling distance. Like the New Orleans Saints would come up to – the Jacksonville Jaguars when we scrimmaged, something like that. Teams that weren't too far away. And, um, you know, we scrimmaged throughout the I'm not sure if teams are still doing that, but you got to think some guys, they're going to be more injuries when the season starts just because your body's not used to a full game. And, uh, and to your point also, it's sad for, for the players that are kind of on the fringe, on the bubble, guys that need the preseason to actually make a team. 
uh, to put out film to, you know, show that they can last in the NFL or can play in the NFL. Those guys are not going to have a shot. Yeah. And a little sit there and, and, you know, when it's time to cut, it's largely based off of, of training camp film, you know, practice. And yeah. Some guys are gamers and some guys are not practice guys or some guys get caught up in uh, the numbers game in practice and they're not able to put out that type of film that they need in, uh, in, in a game. You know, you may have a guy that's fifth or sixth on the depth chart as a receiver, but he goes out in the preseason and any time he touches the ball, he has a kickoff return or a punt return for a touchdown. Those are guys that actually make the team. Yeah. Now, you're not going to see that because you don't see that on the, on the, on the, uh, on the preseason game. So that's kind of going to settle guys. But the flip side of it is so many injuries do happen in, in the preseason games. So I'm pretty sure some of the guys that are the veterans that have been around are kind of like happy about that as a veteran. Uh, I hated playing the preseason games. As I got older, I was like, what's the point? Yeah, We're not yeah, going no hard. Doubt. I'm just ready to – Yeah, what I want to do is get to the regular season and, and be healthy. So the veterans, I'm pretty sure, don't have uh, an issue with it. But for the younger guys and the guys that are on the fringe and haven't really got a lot of playing time in the league, and stuff with them. Seems like, too, the added members to the practice squad is going to favor veteran guys because, obviously, they're proven commodities to some extent and have played in the league. Many people may or may not know that they've lengthened or enlarged the size of the practice squad, and I would guess based on depth, injuries, the kinds of things that happen, it's more likely teams would add more veteran-type guys that are fringe and or you know, right on the bubble of making a team to their practice squads than they would unproven newcomers. Yeah, definitely. You do have some guys that, are, that still get a shot on the practice squad, and um, you know you got to work hard and, and work your way up. I mean, heck, I, I, I even was on the practice squad at one point in my career, and you know you have an opportunity to to get out there and continue to compete and work your way up, and hopefully get on the field at, at some point. Um, you know, it's a different dynamic. It's, it's not something that we've seen before, and obviously this, yeah. this uh, pandemic is affecting everybody from from college football to pro football to to yeah, you, you're better mom-and-pop restaurants to franchises to families. You know what I mean? It's sure affecting thing. everybody in, in some capacity, and, and, and the league is no different. So, you know, guys are just going to have to tough it out. and it, it, it sucks to say it, but we all have been affected. I've been affected, Giff. You've been affected. Yeah. You know what I mean? So guys are really just going to have to kind of tough it out and, and, and adjust on the fly to how life is in the NFL and off the field as well. You know, one of the other things that was just announced here recently is that at least the month of September, no fans at games. How do you think yeah. that that lack of energy is going to affect both offensive and defensive production? Just your opinion. Well, I think defense really are the ones, the guys that really get hyped off of the fans. You know, mm-hmm. they, they start waving and, and getting the fans into the game because that actually helps them. It feeds that, that energy feeds them the momentum, everything. And, the, the difference is on the offensive side of the ball, it's great for the offensive guys, but offensive guys because we can hear. You know what I mean? So if you go into Seattle in, 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 uh, in September and you don't have that loud, yeah, uh, those 12s yelling, you know, as, as you're loving it. As an offense, I would say, as a post in the offense, you're loving it. You can go in and you can hear yourself. So that's that's great, but it's going to be weird, man. It's going to suck. You know what <laughs> I mean? I'm pretty sure they'll the – funny, the funny part, Giff, Remember, didn't the Falcons, I think, get in trouble for, for pumping some uh, fan noise? They did. They did. And the Colts, noise. actually, the Colts were accused of it, too, but it was never proven in that case. That's in the old RCA dome. But, yeah, the Falcons actually, yeah. I think, got fined and had to cough up a draft pick because of that. Yeah, so imagine now. So do you think, when you look at the NBA games now, at least on the broadcast, you can hear the fake 
fan noise <laughs> over the broadcast. I At least they're not cardboard they're cutouts, man, like baseballs do. <laughs> I wonder if they're going to do that for football, too, pump some fan noise in the, into the stadium, man. But, yeah, it's going to be weird. It's going to be different. And then you definitely, as an athlete, you feel it. You know what I'm saying? You look sure. Good. You see your family in the stands. At the end of the game, you see your kids. No motivating factors. I did it all the time when I played. I looked for my son. I looked for my mom. You know, I, my brother, when he came, my cousin, whoever, my family member. You look for them because that's an additional motivating factor for you. As an athlete, yes, you're motivated when you go out there and you play. But any little bit to give you that extra edge when you're on the field, you know, something that is going to take you into that place to let you know this is the reason I'm doing this and yeah. keep that focus on, you need it. And guys are not going to see that, at least like I said, in September. Let's shift gears a little bit here. And I just want your take on this from a player perspective. You know, you hear in the Twitterverse and in the the age that we're in, a lot of what I'll call so-called or self-proclaimed experts start to say things about teams that are struggling. Oh, well, they don't have the talent. I submit, and you tell me if I'm wrong, I submit that every team is loaded with talent. You wouldn't be a professional if you didn't have phenomenal talent. And in the combine era, the way they measure guys at specific positions, be it 40 times size, of course there's some individuality, but the superstar players aside, in my opinion, in the NFL, it's less about talent than it is about heart, smarts, leadership, and buy-in with the coach that's leading you. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's it's definitely about that. You have to to, to buy-in, you have to be on the same accord. Can't be selfish. Football is the, the ultimate team sport. You've heard that a million, that cliche a million one yeah. times, but it, it's it's factual. For instance, as an offensive lineman, if you have uh, five guys going in the right direction and, and one guy misses a block, that could be the block that springs uh, the running back for a touchdown. A guy misses a block, the running back is tackled, you're not scoring a touchdown or you're not getting the first down. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, yeah, there's tons of talent in the NFL. I think, NFL, I think one of the things, though, also is there's definitely – there, some some teams there is a, a disparity in talent, like across the board. Um, for instance, you won't have a solid five or a cohesive unit in the offensive line. We used to yeah. talk about this with Kennesaw State. You need guys that are in there next to each other every play in and out, so you get that cohesiveness, that 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 camaraderie. You know where guys are going. You know when a guy, you know what his weakness is. You know how you can overcome that weakness and be his strength, and vice versa. That talent level is not the same across the board in the league, believe it or not, man. There's some teams, you know, we looked at them on paper. You see them in a couple weeks into the season. We're like, man, we're going to smack these guys. We know where our matchups are. And, uh, you know, we used to talk about it at Kansas State. We used to see them. We're like, yeah, I think this is a team we'll get because we, our offensive line is, is, and our running game is stronger than their defensive line. So, yes, everybody does have talent. Of course they do. But collective talent and, and that cohesiveness, I think that's, that plays a large part in some of those teams that are, are more successful um, and some of the teams that really just don't, you know, haven't made the playoffs in years. I mean, prime example, you look at the Patriots. They're not always the best team out there. They don't have the best talent out there. Some of the, the guys on the Patriots go to other teams and, and, you know, they don't pan out. Yeah, they but become mortal again. They become mortal again. But collectively, to your point, um, to your point once they're in that, that, that scheme with Bill Belichick, the coaches, and what he's capable of doing and buying in and being selfless, that definitely plays a large part too. So it's it's not an either or thing. I think I think it's uh, it's actually uh, some of both being having talent, I should say, and then buying into to the team philosophy. Aside from your broadcast work and closing, and of course the work that you've done on the fields when you were younger and you were playing, 
you're also involved in a cause called Beyond the Burrows in New York City. You're basically your hometown. Talk a little bit about Beyond the Burrows and how people can help and exactly what the cause and, you know, you guys are helping young people here. Absolutely. Uh, Beyond the Burrows is a national scholarship fund I started uh, back in 2007, man. And we, uh, to this point, we've given out 99 scholarships. We've helped support 99 students that across the country that wanted to go to college. They wanted to continue their education. So what we do at Beyond the Burrows is we have fundraisers every year. We accept donations throughout the year. And um, through those donations, based on the amount of money we raise, that's the amount of scholarships we actually are able to allocate throughout the year. We also partner with other other organizations, um, Tori Smith, a former NFL player, Jerina Williams, obviously tennis star. They have foundations that they were unable to actually give out scholarships for. So we had a ton of applicants through Beyond the Barrows. We partnered with them. They wanted a scholarship on, um, weren't able to do it. We had the infrastructure already in place. So we partnered with them and were able to actually help fulfill some more scholarships on their behalf. We administered them on their behalf. Again, we've been at it since 2007. It's been a little bit difficult now with COVID-19. Sure. Um, I just couldn't bring myself to ask, to really go out there and have fundraisers and, and, and kind of raise money when people are going through so much, particularly yeah. in New York where I have most of my fundraisers. It was just difficult. And obviously, uh, physically, I, I couldn't go up there and, and, and have the fundraisers. And I don't really think people were going to come out. You know what I mean? And, yes, sir. Uh, philanthropy is, is the most selfless act you can have. And I just felt that it would be selfish on my part to do that but um in any event people can still follow beyond the boroughs and support uh beyond the boroughs.org b-e-y-o-n-d the and then boroughs b-o-r-o-u-g-h-s dot org and um yeah if you have a little give a little if you have a lot give please help support we were always looking for, for board members as well to, to assist us in the fundraiser capacity in the infrastructure just helping us run the organization, run a nonprofit, and if you also know students out there that want to attend college just don't have enough money, feel free to go to beyondtheburrows.org. Uh, they can fill out an application. The process will, I want to say it opens up around December, uh, January, and then we'll actually um, announce the scholars in April of 2021, late April of 2021, so we give out our scholarships, and then, um, you know, we'll, we'll have some more based on the uh, funds that we raised throughout the year. He is the co-host of Behind the Mask, another podcast, a very successful one, along with another former NFLer, Takeo Spikes, right here on Believe Entertainment. We believe, and we want you to also. Two, I tell you what, man, I miss working with you in the broadcast booth. We had a lot of fun over the years. We may get the opportunity at some point to do that again. Right now, I want to say thanks for you taking the time today to spend some time with us here on Falcon's Flight. And uh, obviously, man, the best of luck to you, best of health to you and yours, and, of course, all the guys involved with your show as well. Thanks a whole bunch for the time today, brother. Absolutely, brother. Much love. Anytime. And tell the fam out there hello. Always great to catch up with Tuton Reyes, man. I mean, a good friend and a guy who definitely has insights on going to NFL training camps and certainly has his finger on the pulse of the league as it currently sits today. Time for us to take a break, but never you fear. On the other side of it, even though Robert isn't here, Scott and I will bring you our best version of the soon-to-be world-famous Swirly segment. That comes your way after this timeout. From Believe Entertainment, this is Falcon's Flight. Like in football, whether it's in business, recreation, or life, you need a game plan. Is your computer running slow? Is it infected with viruses or malware? 
Maybe you're a gamer and really want a custom-built computer specifically for gaming. Perhaps like us, you want a lightning-fast, state-of-the-art, solid-state drive to replace that clunky, old-school one in your machine. Your game plan for any of this should be Computers Plus. A lot of the components we use to produce and bring you Falcon's Flight have been upgraded or provided by Computers Plus. Computers Plus is located in Ackworth, Georgia at 3330 Cobb Parkway Northwest, Suite 154. But wherever you are, they can help. Stop in and see them. They also feature a full line of accessories and refurbished equipment. Give them a call today at 770-693-0769 or check them out at computersplususa.com. You'll be glad you did. Mr. Hardwood is Atlanta's premier flooring expert, but hardwood is just the beginning. Mr. Hardwood also installs laminate, tile, vinyl, carpet, and more. Your home is likely your biggest investment. Not only can you enhance its value with beautiful new floors, but our lifetime transferable warranty will enhance the value even more. If you stand on it, Mr. Hardwood stands behind it. Mr. Hardwood is committed to setting the industry standard for all your uniquely designed and professionally installed flooring solutions. Our number one goal is to exceed our customers' needs by providing value, quality, and exceptional service even after the sale. We take great pride in high-quality craftsmanship and integrity and are not satisfied until we have exceeded your expectations. Mr. Hardwood, Atlanta's flooring experts. To set up your free consultation, call Mr. Hardwood today at 770-318-8880 or go to MrHardwoodInc.com. It is Falcon's Flight rolling along. This is edition four. Brian Giffen with Scott Johns pinch hitting for Robert Taylor. And before we begin to get a little bit silly on this program, as we <laughs> typically do at the end of it, let's talk for a moment, Scott, about you're a member of the Falcons training staff and have been certainly around the franchise, not to mention have ardently followed the franchise basically your whole memorable life from uh, what we our conversation we had the other day. What are your thoughts on now what we expect, what we look for in particular the next three weeks in such a unique preseason and or training camp? Well, the responsibility of these coaches and players right now are unlike anything they've ever seen. For the players, it's keep your body in shape, keep your mind sharp, learn the playbook, learn your responsibilities, and most importantly, stay out of the public. It's, it's very important that these guys, they've got zero positive cases in the NFL right now, and I'm going to knock on wood because it looks – like all systems are a go for week one. It looks like we're going to have an NFL season. I think they did it right by keeping these guys quarantined and keeping the families of these guys in check. Look, these guys make enough money to say, look, we need you to stay out of the public eye for a while. Don't put yourself at risk. Don't put your teammates at risk and ultimately putting the NFL at risk. So it's a lot on the players right now. Stay in football shape. You know, Make sure you're learning the playbooks. Know your responsibilities. Know your role on the team. For the young guys, it's pretty much the same. But for the veterans, it's ramp up what you would do in years past and keep it going. Going into week one at Seattle, the game plan's already started. It's watch film, get to know your assignments, know how you're going to defend these wide receivers and tight ends on defense, know how you're going to understand your gap assignments and, and all that on offense. If you're Matt Ryan, you're getting the skill position guys ready to go and you're saying, look, this is what we have to look forward to for week one in September and we got to hit the ground running. could be a special season for the teams that start fast. One last quick thing before we 
again, immerse ourselves in silliness. You heard Tuton talking a little bit about it, Seattle in particular, those 12s as he called them. It's going to be a weird thing to not have many fans, or in obviously Atlanta's case, any fans at games to begin the season. That's going to be an interesting dynamic. Robert is not here. I normally ask him, hey, man, uh, what time is it? So I have to be the one to tell you that it's swirly time, swirly time, swirly time. The Falcons flight crew is intolerant of jackassery. There is a special place where morons are plunged headlong into a blue vortex of irony. Where imbeciles are irrigated, dumbasses are drenched, and abject idiocy rinsed away. Where pompous assery comes face to face with porcelain. Where chlorine, tidy bowl, and bleach administer swift, swirling justice. This is our Game of Thrones. Where mindsets and hairstyles are forever altered. It is the Falcon's Flight Swirly segment. Now let's get this party started. By the way, how was my best Robert Taylor? It's swirly time. How did I do? That was pretty good. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I have a... <laughs> he is the mentor of how to say it is swirly time. All right, well, <laughs> as we immerse ourselves in silliness, as I alluded to just a matter of moments ago, let me go ahead and start this off, because for whatever reason, every week I do. This comes from the Clearwater Police Department. Well, for most people, it's their lucky day when they get a winning scratch-off lottery ticket. That was not the case this week for one Herbert McClellan, who is currently sitting in the Pinellas County Jail because of a winning $30 lottery ticket. The problem is that McClellan stole 13 scratch-off tickets from the Speedway Convenience Store at 32 Bay Esplanade. When he found out that one was a winner, he went back to the same store to cash it in. <laughs> That's when store workers called the police, and of course they showed up and promptly arrested him. He was charged with petty theft and dealing in stolen property. Safe to say, it was not his lucky day, and guess what? Today isn't either. Because, hey, McClellan, blue water is what you're smelling. Get over here. That's it, boy. Get in there nice and deep. Stay there. The reason that bad things happen to you is because you're a dumbass. And apparent that is because... You stole something from somewhere that has serial numbers and took it back to the same place. Idiot. All right, Scott, so you have tough shoes to fill here. May we have your swirl, please, sir? Yes, so this comes to you from Ohio. A bank robber goes into a bank, a U.S. bank. 54-year-old Michael Harrell entered U.S. bank branch in Cleveland on Monday and passed a not-so-discreet note, the FBI said, to the bank teller. He handed her the note demanding the money. When she flipped it over, she realized it was a note from the DMV, and it had his name, address, and phone number <laughs> on the note. So he wasn't that discreet. I mean, the lack of preparation, the lack of, and we've talked about preparation all day long. <laughs> this guy, Preparation H, might be more accurate. 
he handed her a note with all his personal information. Of course, she turned that over to the authorities. They arrested. He had zero shot at executing that bank robbery. But to be that ignorant <laughs> is, is mind-boggling. Yeah. Hey, Harold, you're going for a swirl. Get over here. That's it, boy. Get in there nice and deep. The reason that bad things happen to you is because you're a dumbass. And you handed off a note that had your personal info on it, you moron. My goodness, man. What in the heck is the world coming to? Well, Scott, I wanted to say thanks to you for coming over, and obviously we'll have you on this program regularly, as you and I have talked about, and of course you were on the first couple episodes of it. I want to say thanks, too, to uh, Tuton Reyes for the great guest segment in the middle, and obviously our best thoughts, our best prayers, everything else, go to Robert and his family as they continue to deal with the illness of his mom. We hope she gets better and everything improves for the Taylor family as well as Robert's mom specifically. Scott, thanks for coming in today, man. It's been fun. Yeah, it has, and, and I'll leave you with one note. The NFL is going to look in the first week like nothing we've ever seen. <laughs> it's certainly unprecedented. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch and see how they adapt to this. The NFL, if any league, is going to be the one to get it right, I believe. But prepare yourself, fans, for something you've never seen, and it should be a fun ride. All right, thanks to Scott Johns once again. We remind you that Falcon's Flight is a presentation of Believe Entertainment, the number one site for podcast professionals. Do you believe? We certainly do. That'll do it for edition four of the program. And, of course, we will wind our way closer to the 2020 season in the coming weeks. Hopefully, Robert will be back in the studio with us next week. Until then, I'm Brian Giffen for Scott Johns and all the aforementioned folks saying thanks and so long. Thank you for listening to Falcon's Flight. Tune in throughout the season for updates, insights, and analysis on the Dirty Birds. Falcon's Flight is a production of Believe Entertainment. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.